Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I was going to start this episode just by laughing like Kawhi Leonard, but I don't know if Ryan would have been happy or disappointed. Uh, I love Kawhi. I do love Kawhi, and I think his laugh is the most charming thing to ever come to this world. I'm not, you know, I hate what Kevin Durant did to basketball. I also feel terribly for him. I feel terribly that all the injuries went as they did. It's nice to see a city win for the first time. And I, I at the risk of alienating people on either side of the argument or the people who don't want to hear any more about basketball. That's all I'll say to it. So, I'm a Raptors fan. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> um, you know what? It's it's Anthony Davis in LeBron's league now, and then one of Kemba Walker, Kawhi, or whoever they get, and that's the reality moving forward. So Toronto, are, uh, that, that was your time, and uh, congrats on getting it. Plot twist, Kemba ends up in Toronto. Dun, dun. Is that what's uh, going around right now? Absolutely not. Is that the Kool-Aid? No, that is just something I made up on the spot. Uh, okay. it's probably be- it, That's probably going to pick up. Doesn't matter. Champions. Detroit. Please, for the love of God, now it's your turn. Oh, that's that was the only thing I could think of watching it. It was like, yeah, there's this nice little, like, I was happy for my, you know, Raptors fan friends. And then all, all I could think was, I need Detroit to win something. I need Detroit team to win something soon, please. And we're not even in that bad of a situation. It's only been 11 years since, uh, since Detroit's had a major championship. You got to think, there are cities who are going on, like... Well, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Buffalo has never had one. Mm-hmm. And then Vancouver... It's 19... They've never had one. Like, You mean can, the Grizzlies never won the NBA? No, Big Country Reefs never did it. <laughs> um, now, there's a reference nobody was expecting at the beginning of the Red Wings podcast. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Full house today. I'm Ryan. Hello. That was Evan. I'm Brad. Soon coming, Max. Soon coming, Max. Yeah, we have a... True full boat today. Yeah, this is the fullest boat we've had in a while. It's funny because we're going to do some rankings again today. This will be a rankings episode. We'll have a mock in the middle of the week before the draft. Uh, and I realized we've never done rankings with Evan here. And I looked at Evan. And I was like, Evan, do you have rankings? And he was like, I'd, what do you mean? I was like, do you have like draft rankings? He's like, I have the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. It'll work out well. So, so I have a feeling Evan's rankings are going to mirror bob mckenzie's pretty close oh maybe yeah maybe <laughs> um we Evan will be the great uh, neutralizer of our hot hot takes but actually probably <laughs> yeah um as we get closer to the draft we're going to be going back to back towards some uh, broad stroke topics the big divisive things uh a little bit more of the process around the draft what to expect of the team, what to expect of us after the pick gets made. And uh, we dive a lot into that with our interview uh, with Max. So maybe we should just start off with that. So yeah, we'll cut to that now. Now. This is it. This is our last pre-draft interview with you, Max. Max Boltman of The Athletic Detroit and certified best friend of the Winged Wheel podcast. How are you, how you doing, man? I'm good. I got to be getting close to being on the turbo team here, right? Like... Who told who did you tell them about the turbo team? You were no one else was supposed to know about the turbo team. We have uh we have jackets, but you have to do a rush for it. It's a pretty bad rush, man. I'm not gonna lie. Alright. We'll see. We're Canadians. We actually have no idea what rushes for fraternities or anything look like, so 
uh, you'll have to educate us along the way. Yeah, um, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing <laughs> any of that stuff. <laughs> it's actually all run by Evan. We didn't have to do it. So best of luck with that. Um, speaking of Canadians, you're going to be on your way to Vancouver. Are you leaving Tuesday? Uh, Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. Your first time in Vancouver? No, I actually went when I was in high school, but it was really before I could fully appreciate all Vancouver has to offer. So, Well, that, that'll be good. And so the obvious main draw there will be um, the sushi. And then the second main draw, obviously, will be the uh, NHL draft, which at some point we'll get to uh, finally uh, close the book on for this year and talk about other things, presumably. Otherwise, uh, the heat death of the universe will come first. But... Um, this this will be your first NHL draft on the beat? No, uh, well on the beat, yes. I actually like basically started did like a couple of weeks on the Red Wings around the trade deadline last year while Craig was bunkered up for the the deadline, and then really the first time I kind of got into it was at the draft in Dallas, and then from there I was pretty steadily on Red Wings. So this is basically the one year mark that I've been that I've been covering them. Oh, that's well, that's a fun little anniversary. So in terms of expectations, just broad strokes here, what are you looking forward to the most and, and what do you think Wings fans will have uh, the most to be excited about in terms of you know, actual draft stories, potential you know, movement on draft day? What's, uh, what's going to get your pen going? Oh, interesting. Um, well, I, I'd like to think that I'm going to have a pretty good story on who they take at six that <laughs> night, hopefully. I mean, it obviously... There are certain uh, players who I may have a tougher time getting a story on that quickly, namely if they don't speak English. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, which there's a decent chance of. Um, but we'll, we'll see how, how it all shakes out. And uh, I'll, have, so I'll have something that night. And then the next day, uh, two through seven, I'm planning to file another story on the second day picks before I get on the plane to come back um, Saturday night. So I don't know if that will be up Saturday night or if it will wait until – Sunday morning, but at least a couple stories this weekend. I'm doing a live chat, I believe, on Friday uh, on the athletic website before the draft. Uh, so if there's anything you know late breaking or whatever, we can talk about that. Um, and then yeah, we'll we'll see what comes after that. Development camp starts Tuesday, so we'll, it, you know I'll get back, take a day to have some pizza or something, and relax, and then be right back at it. Uh, Max, I have uh, Bradley Jebediah Crisco here with me. Um, and I think that's important because we've been talking for the past little while about who the Red Wings pick likely will be versus who we would prefer it to be. And those are obviously, you know, anytime you do this kind of like couch analysis, it's going to be, um, there's going to be a pretty big gap between those two, or there's at least a risk of that. Uh, and you and I have been chatting about Kirby Doc and, you know, there's some polarizing opinions on Kirby Doc. And you said something really funny the other day that made me stop and think and go, Oh man, I think he's right about that. Which is that a lot of people are scared of the Kirby Doc pick <laughs> because of you. <laughs> now I want to I want to save my own skin here. I'm gonna let Brad take the reins on that one, and I don't even think he'll fight me on that because, as you guys might have noticed, Brad is pretty firm in his opinions. So the first in our I am sp- flexible. <laughs> I am very flexible. Well, we'll get there. The first of our sporadic uh, conversation with Max, or the first topic with our sporadic conversation with Max, I want to talk about Kirby Doc because there's a very real opportunity or chance here where if he falls past LA, who's rumored to really like him, the Red Wings are very liable to take him at number six. 
So yeah, yeah, I think I think that's quite possible. I mean, I don't think there's any like one at this point favorite, but I, he's definitely in that kind of group of that top three or four that it would not be remotely surprising if they took him. Let me reiterate <laughs> what I state every podcast for the last two months. Kirby Doc is a good hockey player. I just don't like him at six. So, and uh, to the point that I'm not flexible in my opinions, when the rumors, <laughs> I, when the ru- I struck a nerve, <laughs> when, when the, the rumors came out uh, way back when, um, that Detroit was looking a lot at Kirby Doc, I wasn't particularly high on him there, but I didn't, I'm like, okay. And I was reading the rankings or from around the hockey world and everybody seemed to be pretty high on him except for me and like one other guy. So I was very in the mindset of I'm missing something here. I want to go find out what I'm missing. So I watched more of his games, more of his tape, trying to figure out what I was missing. And I never figured it out. He's big. He's strong. He's super skilled. His skating is fine for his size. I compare it to Anthony Mantha's that it's good when he uses it. You just wish he'd use it more. Still have major concerns about his pace of play and I still have not major concerns about his compete level but it, it's he was inconsistent enough that it it leaves me wanting I guess is the best way of putting it but the comparison I want to make to this is and people yell at me when I make this comparison as Max types and all the reasons I'm wrong <laughs> is when the Red Wings picked Michael Rasmussen back in 2017 we we existed as a podcast then too so we had rankings up before that and I think Ryan and myself both had Rasmussen somewhere in the mid teens mm-hmm. we liked him we thought he was fine a lot of the concerns with Rasmussen to Doc were similar in, in the whole pace of play and was he successful just because he was so physically dominant over his peers it was that yeah we like him there's just better players available and at the time I think we had Lilligren, Nichash, uh, maybe Brandstrom and Valimaki ahead of him and at the time now looking at it Rasmussen looks like he'll be a fine NHL player but mm, I don't know if I'd pick him over those guys still so that that's kind of the same mindset I'm at with Doc now. Not that I dislike him. Not that I don't think he'll be good. I just feel there's several better options at six. And according to my rankings, uh, spoiler, somewhere between four and eight better options. I don't think it's – I mean I certainly don't think it's unfair to question any any part of any prospect at this point. There's that's, – that's the name of the game, right? If it was – Drafts would not turn out – you wouldn't have retroactive drafts if, if these were uh, shoe-in situations at this point. So I'm all for the questioning. I, I just think that what prospect – I'll grant you that there's probably two or three guys at that spot that I think I would take over him, maybe even, maybe even three. Um, but what – how many of those guys – have no questions. And I, I agree that production is a question. That's a big part of of being a prospect and and knowing what's going to translate. All the especially when it comes to like analytic stuff, you have to produce in order to really get counted for anything you can do. Uh, and I'll also admit that Brad has certainly watched Kirby Doc a little more or a lot more than I have. Uh, but I have talked to at least one assistant coach in Saskatoon and I thought he had some reasonable explanations for, you know, yes, there were some lapses in the production. Uh, some some struggle periods, frankly, but at least from what he talked about down the stretch, he was dominant and he 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 commanded uh, not just 
the attention of other teams, but of his own teammates on the bench. I, I, I don't know. I think that when you look at the toolkit, you have to draft in big part because of the toolkit. You have to trust your development staff that they can get it all out of a guy. And if, you know, especially if you think he can skate like a Mantha with that kind of ability playmaking down the middle, like basically you're talking about the guy who's going to get Philip Zadina the puck, right? I think he's a pretty solid option to do that. Again, there is one that I think we all are in agreement that would probably be a uh, high, maybe, I don't even know if it's higher upside, but a you know, a better pick to potentially do that. But I don't think that, that Doc would be a, a bad pick to do that by any means. So one thing that uh, actually gave me some pause, because I, I think I fall somewhere in the middle. I'm a little bit nervous to make the comparisons to the Rasmussen situation because I think it's a little bit easy uh, for us to do that because we were kind of embedded in that same kind of couch analysis and, and I try to fight my own biases uh, as much as I can. I'm the most stubborn person I know, so that's usually fruitless. Um, and you said something that, that did give me some pause and, and help me come back on Doc, which is that we constantly preach, and I, especially I constantly preach, you swing for the fences with this pick. You go for the guy where if everything goes well, he is the best possible player. And when we talk about Kirby Doc, he is the traditional hockey thinker's best overall player. A big centerman who can skate and is skilled with the puck and can kind of do everything no specific aspect of that truly has the amount of upside like you just alluded to to say what Zegras has with his pure playmaking and that's what gives me pause but like you said if you're going to trust your development staff to get the most out of that guy and a home run doc is arguably one of the, a top three talent and I think the gap here is what's more likely a home run doc or a home run Zegras or home run Pod Colson or a home run Cousins, and, and a point along those lines, like if if we could teleport back this conversation to Thanksgiving, U, uh, U.S. Thanksgiving, uh, when Doc was lighting the world on fire, and it was like holy cow. That's where I think you can have the conversation about upside. I know that the consistency factors in. You absolutely cannot ignore a December that was as quiet as his December was. But when you're, when you're having that conversation about upside, what can this prospect's upside be? I think that's the moment in time that you want to think back to, okay, what could this guy be? Because he was crushing it. Wasn't he like two points a game at that point? Pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. So here's where I think I, I fundamentally am a little bit different from you guys and I don't know if it's on doc specifically or just draft philosophy in general so when we're talking about toolkit again doc is as far as a raw toolkit goes has all the talents you want but would I say he's going to be the best playmaker available at six I would say no I think Trevor Zegers is pretty firmly ahead of him and not that it's a guarantee Zegers will be there at six but from a playmaking standpoint I like Zegers way more than I like doc if we're talking about the the big guy attributes, I think I prefer Dylan Cousins in that role because I'd rather couple that size with that skating. If we're going from a goal-scoring ability, I actually have Kirby Doc way down on my list from a, a goal-scoring perspective. He's a guy who, from the videos I've watched, is a very good finisher, but he does not create a lot of goal-scoring chances for himself. But again, same thing can be said about a couple other prospects because every prospect's got flaws. Um, and again, getting back to my Biggest, my two biggest concerns with Kirby Doc specifically. His pace of play is very slow. You get more time in juniors to make decisions than you do at the NHL. So even though he's big, strong, and skilled, he's not going to have the time against grown men like he does players. Now, that being said, can that change? That absolutely can change. 
it's not the easiest skill to learn and to translate, but it's happened before and it'll happen again. And specifically with big players in junior, they have such a physical advantage over a lot of their opponents that will skew a lot of things. And it's like, I look at a guy like Cousins who's big, but he actually doesn't use his frame like Doc does. So I'm a little more confident in his skill set translating to the NHL. Whereas Doc on the cycle game uses his size and strength a lot. Now, if he does progress at the NHL level to get even stronger and so on and so forth, then that's a great skill to translate. But for a lot of prospects, it doesn't. So again, it's if I'm looking at toolkit, I'm looking for the truly special attributes of their game. And a lot of players in the top 10 have that truly special attribute. And I don't see one with doc again, I, I do classify Doc as, as somewhat of a safe pick because his his skill set will translate to the NHL. It'd be it'd be a miracle if he didn't play in the NHL because he should by all accounts. Um, but will he be an impact player or will he be a third liner? I think that could go either way. Whereas a guy like Zegras, if his playmaking hits in the NHL, he's a first liner. If it hits fully, I should say. I think uh, one thing that I'm really trying to be conscious of and it's after you said it max is i'm i'm still pretty confident in where i have doc ranked it's i'd think a little bit higher than where brad has him and probably a little bit lower than where you have him um but because of all and this is something that we talk about a lot because of all the people listening don't get married to prospects and at the same time don't completely divorce yourself from the idea that's what i'm trying to do of these prospects so you know we're more likely to be wrong about any given guy on the ice or that's to be drafted uh, than not. And that's just the nature of scouting and analysis, especially the amateur kind, which is what we're doing. We're not the pros. Um, So if, and when Kirby doc gets drafted by the Red Wings at six this Friday, um, don't go kicking and screaming that leave that all to Brad. He'll do that all on air for you. I'm going to turn into his biggest (laughs) cheerleader if we pick him, honestly. And it's fine. Like Max said, it's fine to have uh, questions about it, but don't, you know, completely blow up or don't you know turn around and well, i mean you can rub the egg in our face if we're wrong about him but uh it's all at this point we're in the weeds and we're going to be in the weeds until we're not and then whatever the pick is it's going to be a fantastic player and at that point any of the who should we have drafted it's kind of moot for the next little while up until we see how these players develop which i think is is what you would you were trying to allude to as well max no i i mean i'm fine with people i i I think one of the things that makes hockey fun and, and all sports fun is that you have those debates forever. I mean, if if Doc and Zegers are on the board, the one that they take, fans are going to love, and the one that they don't take, inevitably, fans are going to compare that guy to. Like, I think that's that's part of the deal here. It's fun. I was just kind of note, like, I thought it was kind of funny how, you know, I don't think any other fan base that I can tell at least right now has the same Doc apprehension as the Red Wings one does. No, and I I am. Pretty sure that uh, I can spot the origin of that. <laughs> you have Maybe to understand that's a new thought process for us. Like it, we're still kind of normalizing to this idea of being a source of inf- like a, a primary source of information for people. See this? This makes me feel good and awful all at the same time because <laughs> the thing that's lost in drafting that uh, that I try to not forget is these are seventeen and eighteen year old kids. Yeah. Like I. I I have my criticisms of them, but in a perfect world, I want every single one of them to succeed. If you get drafted in the first round, I hope you go on to have a successful NHL career. And again, I hope, 
I actively am hoping if Doc ends up in Detroit or Minnesota or wherever, he goes on to prove me absolutely wrong. I want him to make me an idiot. But from an objective standpoint, this is fun debate. It is going to have massive implications on the Red Wings down the road. And heck, if they do pick Doc and he's a colossal miss, that's the type of pick that could lose scouts their jobs going forward. So yeah, we're judging 17-year-old kids, but at the same time, professions are on the line. This is literally their job. So we we like to imitate it here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the most nervous I've ever been before a draft. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of other stories, so the, the doc one is is well played out. Um, just from a, a beat writer's perspective, what would be the f- most fun story for you to tell? What player would give you the best uh, potential story to well, hold on? Out? I'll answer that. It'll just be his article of me visibly screaming for three paragraphs, and then he starts the article. <laughs> yeah, actually, what I might do is just like get Doc's number on draft night. And do a Skype conference call with Doc and Brad and have them basically hash it out. <laughs> uh, Post it. Brad's not – you've met Brad, right? He's not very tall in person. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby's, a, Kirby's a big guy. Kirby is two of me. Yeah, he is. You, t- you can take on Mika, but even that's, uh, yeah, that's 50, a close 50, fight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the best story, though, like I, it's got to be Dylan Cousins, right? Like, I mean, granted, everyone's already told the story, so maybe it's lost some of the punch. But I think his backstory is pretty unreal. Alex Newhook, kind of a similar one, frankly, with with the, just what these guys have sacrificed giving up. I know a lot of guys, you know, go do billet families and go away from home. I don't think anybody on the same scale as those two guys has, and the the dedication that shows. I, I'd love to. I don't know if this could happen, but like I'd love to go see this the situation that Cousins was in in Whitehorse hockey wise. I mean, from what I've kind of seen, it, it was kind of uh, it was not the kind of environment that he could have reasonably expected to get to this point if he had completely stayed in. So I'd love to kind of check that out and dig into what that's like. That'd probably be the most fun story to tell. That would be an actual blast because I actually have no idea what hockey is like up there and you might be the first American I've ever met who's willing to go to the part of Canada where a lot of Americans think exists where we are where it's you know a lot colder and frigid and the sun doesn't come up as much or it's up all day that kind of thing I and if you're from Whitehorse and you're listening to this and you're like Ryan you're all wrong I, I apologize in advance it looks beautiful I mean like from the oh, pictures yeah. it looks gorgeous I'm thoroughly impressed they managed to get an internet connection into their igloos honestly yeah <laughs> They do have uh, – well, the problem was you were mentioning, Brad, that he was playing uh, hockey against grown men essentially because that was the only good competition they could get him. Yes. And he would just get hurt because he was playing hockey against grown men, <laughs> which was you know, a big push uh, outward. So Dylan Cousins would be um, a really great story. And that's actually really funny because as you uh, bring up guys that were maybe a little bit lower on – uh, Doc is one that you really pushed, and maybe Cousins not so much. You were you were a little bit uh, more hesitant on him to start, and I've actually come around on Cousins quite a bit more so than Doc. Um, and I think a lot of my hesitation with him is was just a, a need thing. But then I, I've been trying to detach that from from what I think the Red Wings will pick. So I don't think Eisenman is exactly picking for need at number six. What's the uh, what would you say the likelihood is that Cousins is pretty high up in that group that Eisenman alluded to of of three to six guys that they're looking at? Uh, six to seven guys, yeah. I mean, I would guess he's in that. I would guess he's in that six to seven. Like, I, it's hard to to narrow it down specifically, but you can really narrow it down to probably 
you know, close to that six to seven number. I would guess that those guys are Podkolzin, Zegris, Doc, Cousins, maybe Boldy. I don't know how how the Krebs injury would factor in. And then I wonder about Broberg. Um, just because you, you figure they're not going to not consider any defenseman there. And Broberg does have some of that kind of tool set. I, I'd be pretty surprised if that was the pick. But, in, you know, for the merits of debate or whatever, I would wonder if he would be in that group. Oh, Caulfield, obviously. Um, I would guess that's the – I mean, I think I just said eight. So <laughs> I'm probably wrong about one of them. But, you know. Well, when are, when are you going to um... – Meet with Steve before the draft to tell him your draft strategy of just drafting Bowen Byram no matter what. Right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's right. We'll probably have to have that conversation on the draft floor. So, you know, can't, can't. Uh... <laughs> I, I I truly envisioned there when he said that. I I just imagined it was Turcotte, Byram, Zegers, Caulfield, Cousins, Pod Colson, and Doc. Like he was just including Turcotte and Byram in there. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. Because I guess there is a technically a chance, although at this point, yeah. Turcotte won't fall. But Byram, it could. I could see Byram. Remember last year when we were getting ready for the draft, we did not even really entertain the thought of Zadina being available at six? By this point, we were talking about it because of the rumors of Kotkiniemi. Kotkiniemi. We're like, yeah. what would it take to get Zadina at six? And we're like, it's unlikely, but we didn't see it Jared Hayton coming, but... no. It is a great point, too, because he did say that he thinks 3 through 12 to 15 could go in any order. And that does suggest that he would he would foresee a possibility, you know, mm-hmm. remote as that possibility might be. Would would it be truly absurd if, if 3 through 5 went like Turcotte, Cousins, Doc, or Turcotte, Doc, Zegers? I don't think that would be truly absurd. I imagine um, Doc's going to be in there. I think he is, too. Yeah, uh, it, this is the kind of this is about the time where we're starting to amalgamate what we're talking about and what reality is actually going to dictate. And Doc is that outsider where everyone in the league is still really high on him, and we're probably very wrong about him. And that's just you know what? yeah, you know what it reminds me of. Not to like uh, we don't need to keep having this conversation about him, but it, <laughs> it just it reminds me of the Brady Kachuk thing where like everyone had so much decided that Kachuk was you know this kind of like alternative style of thinking it was outdated and, and size doesn't matter and whatever and i get that size has been overvalued for a long time but brady kachuk went in and looked freaking awesome this year mm. and they're not the same player i don't mean to say like stylistically he's going to be like a brady kachuk but it's just like narrative wise that's kind of what what kind of the the hesitance has kind of reminded me of people comparing him to rasmussen which isn't that they're not remotely the same player no you're, um, you're totally right and that's exactly what's coming to mind when i'm doing these like double take back pedals fence hitting opinions on him because i'm like i know full well that we're just gonna get brady kachucked again yeah that's how i think it is too i found my rankings from last year <laughs> oh you had brady kachuk seven. I, I had brady kachuk seventh it's that's not bad that's better than a lot of people, at that, at, frankly, at, that, at this point last year. We did a great job last year because we had Bouchard as the Red Wings pick, and I think it, it was uh, given that he would have been the Red Wings pick had Zadina not fallen, right? Uh, Quinn Hughes, maybe. No, I think it, I think it was going to be Bouchard. I mean, I don't know. I was not the beat, but like from what I've read, it sounded like it was going to be Bouchard. Yeah, and he's panned out, so that is, yeah. a, that is a victory. I will <laughs> take that as a success. For every Kachuk we're wrong about, we'll bring up a Bouchard. Although, you know what, it, it, talking about the Kachuk thing, I think an important part of players like that is 
a lot of the people who were against drafting Kachuk said he would be more NHL ready immediately. And he yes. would probably dominate in his own way right away. But the amount of progression upwards from there maybe was projected to be a little bit more limited, which is something that I would still maybe give credence to. Although you can never really sh- take down a guy who had, who was having a Calder worthy season before he went down. Right. Um, well, and I just feel like, like at some point there is a threshold where you pick a guy in the top seven or eight picks there could be a guy who turns out to be better than them, but there there has to be some threshold where it's like, all right, well, you got a sixty point forward where you're just like, yeah, we can't complain, you know, like yeah. no, no matter who you are, if you got Brady Kachuk or if you know Matthew Kachuk, who's been f- phenomenal so far, like you get a guy like that, yeah, maybe maybe somebody a little bit better slipped down a little bit, or you know, Quinn Hughes looks like he's going to be awesome, um, and I don't think that if Barrett Hayton is a sixty point center. And if, uh, you know, if Zadina can be a, a 30 goal, 60 point guy in a regular year, yeah, you can look back and be like Quinn Hughes would have fit either of those places really, really well. But if, at the end of the day, if you got a 60 point forward in the top five, I don't think you can complain too much. No, I, expecting the optimal team at any given point is uh, pretty foolish, especially seeing these last playoffs where if you were just in the arena, you had like an 8% chance of winning the Stanley Cup, right? So like... It really doesn't matter. Well, I'm not, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but like you said, splitting hairs is is only worth so much of your your time and, and energy. What you drafting's can't. hard. It's just it's hard. Mm-hmm. What you can't have is a Scott Glennie in the top ten, right? Um, the, you we're not going to have you do a full ranking, but you said you would be open to giving us a top whatever you're comfortable with. So if you want, do you have that handy? Do you think you could rattle that off off the top of your head? A top, like, yeah. Let's say twelve. Could you do twelve? Yeah, I could do twelve. Everyone can do twelve. That's that's the whole class, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So Hughes, Kako, uh, Turcotte, Byram, Zegris, Podkolzin, Doc, Co- or no, sorry, Podkolzin, Caulfield, Doc, Krebs, Cousins, and Krebs in the next the next two. Boldy, no, actually, Boldy above Cousins and Krebs. I never, I didn't write this down. I kind of thought you were going to forget. <laughs> then Broberg. I never forget, man. New Hook. Is that twelve? That's got to be twelve. It feels like twelve. I think you've, yeah, I think you gave us thirteen there. So by his Bakers rankings, doesn't. the Red Wings get Pod Colson. Yeah, Red Wings get Pod Colson at six. I'd be okay with that. I mean, again, yeah, if we're talking likely picks pod colson's right there if not the pick hey stevie likes his russians as max wrote about Mm -hmm. and the thing i'll say about it is like i trust Corey pronman with like to no end on this stuff so i'm he's the one that's on the ground doing all this stuff and i'm doing a lot from my couch so i'm not gonna by any means put a whole lot of stock in into my own like quote-unquote rankings here but what i what i think that i like about pod colson that um, some people seem to, I think, not uh, value as much is, is how hard he goes with the skill. You're not drafting, I don't think, a third-line grinder here. You're drafting a guy who is going all out and can do all this stuff. And I know I, I watch Corey's breakdown of him and the skating. I think that's very fair. But I think at some point, if it can be pro average, he's a guy who can – that kind of compete level can make something like that play up. right? Like It's not like not having skill where – you know, trying a lot's going to make it better. Like skating is something where trying matters. 
definitively. And he has the give a crap gene uh, maxed out. Maybe it's just the cynic in me, but I just, I don't think I put enough stock. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think I'm wrong. I don't put enough stock into when I hear about guys who constantly give it a hundred percent, because I think that just, that should be every NHL player. It should be. So when a guy, can that not be taught or that can that not be eventually learned as players mature and get older and see what they need to give to be competitive in the game? Like, I'm not of saying it's it not valuable, but I would, for Pod Coles in, if he's more limited in skill than Zegras, but Zegras, for example, maybe he's only well, giving Well, you just named the highest skill guy in the draft, though. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I'm straw manning here to advance my own argument. Don't call me out on that, please. <laughs> That's really rude on my <laughs> podcast, Max. <laughs> so maybe a Pod Coles in versus a guy like uh, Cousins. He's got more skill than Cousins. Yeah, I, I realize say saying that, yeah. You know what? My own my own argument went out the window. Thanks, Max. You can have my seat now. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's good um, that he's like those character issues that get unfairly assigned to Russians are just completely um, can't be assigned to him because of all these. Uh, like you said, that gene is maxed out. Um, it's talked about how he sets that example on the ice every shift, and I think Pronman even had it in there that he he does that off the ice. And so I'm I'm glad that people won't assign that same crap to him just because he's Russian. But I think maybe I'm just not as I don't put enough stock into it. I'm probably wrong about that. And you, we all know how much the Red Wings value character and effort. So that's exactly why he's one of the most like. And I feel like skating is a fair gripe. Certainly, like that's not something that you can completely like. We've seen guys come into the NHL and the skating's not there. And it derails everything. So if yeah. that's if that's the the complaint, then that's a fair complaint. I just think there's so much else to that game, and I'm you know I've never seen him in person, so I don't know what it looks like up close. But watching him on TV, he goes all out. He can make the skill play. He can make the pass. He can finish the shot, and he's going to go all out at it. Like I, I think at, I just don't see a, the grinder type that I think some people fear is the floor there. Like I think there's a lot there to work with. The underrated part of his skating is his his top end speed is is not great because he's got a very flat out ugly stride which hits a little close to home today um for unrelated reasons but um he still gets off off the line quick so if we're talking about like an east west off a cycle game he's the type of guy he can still get off the half wall to the slot in a hurry to still throw defenders off their game so not every player in the league is going to have to come barreling through the neutral zone to be dangerous once that puck gets in the blue line pot colson might be one of the more dangerous players in this draft period yeah i mean and and i think you saw you see the highlight where he like i think it was in Corey's piece where he like starts the turnover goes up the break like it's the whole it's the complete sequence of events there like that's there's a lot to be said for that i think all right well we can talk ad nauseum about these guys um and I think it'd be silly to exhaust all our material, considering we'll have one to be talking about for sure on Sunday. Um, do we want to do that uh, $20 to spend, assemble your best roster thing? Yes. All right. So there's a tweet that was put out by FC Hockey. I think I already quote tweeted it with my roster. Um, and it was retweeted by, I retweeted on the main account. And there's essentially five pools of players, uh, left wing, a center, a right wing. Uh, defense, uh, two defensemen from the same pool and a goalie, and you, they are all assigned different dollar values. And what we are to do is, with $20 of budget, um, make our best team. 
So out of the left wingers, I'm not going to read it all out, but we how about we all read out our teams, and then I'm tweet this since we uh, since I haven't tweeted this. I'll tweet it. Oh, you found it? Yeah, I found it. Yeah, okay. I know how to go to your account, Ryan. Oh, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Max, you do you have a team ready, or should I start with mine? You start with yours. Okay. So honestly, I think this was a little easy. I think they should have jacked up the dollar value on some of these guys. Um, out of the left wingers, I took the one, two, three, four, fifth uh, rank guy out of nine. Uh, Braden Tracy only cost me two bucks, which is a fantastic value. Um, for the centerman, I took five dollar highest value Jack Hughes, and for the right winger, I took five dollar highest value Capo Caco, and then for the two defensemen, I took five dollar value Bowen Byram. And the lowest rated guy, which was Justin Bergeron, for a dollar. And then for the goalie, I took uh, $2, Peter Kochikov, for a total of $20. So Tracy Hughes, Kako, Byram, uh, Bergeron, which I think you can just coast based on the talent surrounding him. And then Kochikov is a great value for a goaltender at 2 bucks. I can't see a lot of teams, prospect teams, that they would lose to. Am I going next? Uh, yeah, you're going to have to go next. Caulfield costs... Four dollars. Four. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna take Podkolzin, Turcotte. Four dollars. Four dollars. Boldy. Four dollars. You got eight bucks, and you need two defensemen and a goalie. And I will take Byram Johnson. Oh. Mm. Byram Bergeron and Kachakov. Okay. So Caulfield, Turcotte, Boldy, Byram, Bergeron. No, no, Podkolzin, Turcotte, Boldy. Oh, Podkolzin, okay. Brad, you have yours? I have mine. Let me just hit tweet here. All right, so my left winger, I'm going with my golden boy of value, $2 Braden Tracy. Uh, you need a good top-line center to be successful in the NHL, so I'm not, I'm not cheaping out here. We're going $5 Jack Hughes. We need a finisher on that line. Right wing, Cole Caulfield, four bucks. Need a number one defenseman, five dollars, Bowen Byram. Need a good complimentary defenseman. We'll go two dollars, Ryan Johnson. And we need a capable goalie, and I'm actually surprised Peter Kochkov's only two dollars, so I'm going there. There's my team. Yeah, they really screwed up the goalie values. I think so. Yeah, Kochkov should have been worth way more. Yeah, he should have been worth more than Wolf Minor Sophia. <laughs> First of all, they started by having the ceiling too low. Like Knight should be five, Sogard and Kachikov should be four. Yeah, I think Turcotte or Hughes and Turcotte should have been worth more. Kako should have been worth more. And then you you made a good point about having the left and right wingers should have been yeah interchangeable. Especially because Brad's playing Caulfield on the right wing now, when he probably plays best on the left side. Oh, you don't know that I'm not going to flip Tracy and Caulfield. <laughs> That's not the rules, Brad. <laughs> We're all about the rules here. Um, all right, Max, we will uh, leave you to it. You have a lot of travel ahead of you. I'm sure you have some packing to do. Uh, we will have you back in a week, hopefully with some good stuff for us. Um, and with any luck, the Reddings will have drafted Doc, and so you and I can laugh hysterically as Brad literally implodes. You're Red Wings fans too. <laughs> um Good Not me. I'm just a reporter. You're just you're just here to give us the info. We're here to screen. We're here to add the subjectivity to it. Um, and with that, yeah, man, uh, have fun. Good luck, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Welcome back. Thank you again, Max. I know we rambled on a little bit with him there, but uh, it's always a good chat with Max. We always. Uh, I never feel bad about keeping keeping him too long.
Max uh, upgraded his headphones for us. It's so sweet. Fixed his headphones. Fixed his headphones. Um, a lot. Uh, he's going to have a lot on his plate. And so for him to carve out the time right now and again um, later on is um, really exciting for us. We were very close to going to the draft. So for him to be um, eyes and ears on the draft floor is, you know, selfishly great for us. But also it's exciting for him. Speaking of, I forgot to even mention this to you guys before we start recording. Did you see the rumor for where the draft is might be next year? No. Is it? Gary, Not Indiana. Detroit. Oh. No. Fun city, reasonable distance for us. Toronto. You're on. You're going Buffalo. the right direction. Buffalo. No. Ottawa. You're getting warmer? Montreal. Montreal. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, that man. Was, that was the rumor. Uh, I think Friedman put it out there. Oh, but I will. The girls in the bar will be half of Brad's age. <laughs> Maybe, actually. 40? Oh, my God. I will be... <laughs> no, I will be almost 33 by the time that draft They actually oh. will be. <laughs> Montreal would be a great one. Yeah. I wouldn't even drive. I'd just say, let's take the train. The flights aren't bad, actually, either. Really? Yeah. Isn't the surprised. train like 200 bucks? Isn't it obscene to take the train? You can get a flight for that. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, I think trains are stupidly expensive. Oh, my God. It's 2019. <sighs> Anyways, it's, that'll be a fun one. We hopefully will get to a point where we're going to be going to every draft Yeah, as credentialed media at some point. But if it's Montreal next year, there's no debate. We're going. We're going. <laughs> it's 100%. a thousand percent certain. Yeah. We're now at the point where... I'm going to have to start considering what I do on long weekends if it keeps aligning with development camps and things. Ryan, you're not going to have a social life soon, buddy. Yeah, I know. Because you're having a second child? One yeah. of us. One <laughs> of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that was a, an interesting interview with Max. I think a lot of the merits um, to not... I, I think we did a good job espousing our argument, which is that don't get too married to the idea of one prospect or not taking one prospect or um, understand that a lot of the screaming and shouting and, and subjectivity that we bring to this is just that. It's, it's a podcast. We're doing this twice a week right now. Um, things are going to get a little bit more embedded than we care for them to be. And that's what happens when you bring up the same opinion 40 times in a row. I'm sure Brad actually falls asleep when he tells us his opinion on Kirby Doc at this point. That's how many times I've made him do it. Um, and so Take everything with a grain of salt. Same way I tell you to take people who you don't trust with a grain of salt. If you're consuming this much content prior to the draft, make sure you're doing the same thing for the people you trust because it's not going to shake out the way you think it will. It never does. And there's, it's not like it's the end of the world if you don't draft the guy that you need. This isn't, I mean, unless you draft Alexander Daigle, right? RIP. He's not actually dead. I was going to say, when did that happen? Uh, anyways, uh, remember, remember his come, uh, comeback, brief comeback with Minnesota. I remember. Uh, I remember he he became popular a little while ago. Actually, his story pops up like once every five years, and people pay attention to it again. A great guy. I actually feel quite bad for him. Tons of talent, just didn't really love the game the way other people did, which is why maybe I should pay attention more to compete level. Dun, dun. Yeah, that whole Max learning me as I was talking, I didn't like that. <laughs> Learning Back to your echo chamber. Learning, yeah, learning and growing as a person, Max. No, thank you. Um, my rankings have changed very slightly. I think more from the fifteen onwards, but a little bit in the top twelve as well. A lot of that has to do with uh, Peyton Krebs's torn Achilles. I think a lot of that has to do with looking at some production metrics. But my top seven actually hasn't changed. Um, 
my top seven also didn't change. There was some shuffling between eight and 12. And then my 13 to 17 stayed consistent. And then my 18 to 31 just kind of went all over the place. Okay. So maybe let's, uh, let's, let's just run through it. Uh, we won't go as in depth as we did last time. And uh, we'll chat a little bit about the stuff that uh, we'll let's do to- each of our top tens first. Like, I don't know. Just, been... just fire off your top 10 and then fire off your top 10. Okay. I'll start. Mm-hmm. One, Jack Hughes. Two, Capo Caco. Three, Bowen Byram. Fourth, Alex Turcott. Five, Trevor Zegras. And in my scenario, number six, Cole Caulfield. Number seven, Vasily Podkolzin. Number eight, moving up a spot on my list, Dylan Cousins. Number nine, also moving up a spot on my list, Philip Broberg. Number 10, moving down two spots, Matthew Boldy. All right, I have uh, Hughes, Kako, Turcotte, Byram, uh, and then Zegras at five, Caulfield at six, Cousins at seven. I think that is all completely consistent with what I had before. Then I have uh, Pod Colson at eight, Boldy at nine, and Doc at ten. Notable exclusion there is Peyton Krebs, who did suffer that, um, I believe, partial tear of his Achilles, and so that dropped in a few spots uh, for me. And then I kind of came around a little bit on Doc and Pod Colson. Uh, more so than where I had him, I believe. Evan, you ready to fire off the top 10? Yeah, I'm going to kind of just do it off the top of my head. All right. Um, <laughs> this will be great. Yeah. Uh, who, who's supposed to go number one again? <laughs> Philip uh, Zadina. Uh, ah, yeah. yes. Um, so Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, and then it doesn't really matter, Bowen Byram or Alex Turcotte at 3-4. Mm-hmm. Switch as you as you will. Um, and then Trevor Zegras, I think, is at Five and then <clears throat> maybe Dylan Cousins there. Um, maybe Cole Caulfield. I think that might be a little high, but I feel like someone's gonna go for him after that ridiculous uh, goal scoring streak he went on. Um, Which won the whole season? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm at like the most recent one at the U18s. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then from there. Uh, Pod Colson at seven, uh, Doc at eight, uh, Boldy at nine, and Broberg at ten. I don't know who I forgot. Uh, I, I said Pod Colson. Did I say Dylan Cousins? Yeah, yeah you had Cousins I think, at I think six. You had the same top ten as me, except for Doc, in terms of who was in there. Uh, Eleven to fifteen, I'll do mine. Uh, Peyton Krebs, Alex Newhook, uh, Kaliev, Broberg, and then Bobby Brink. Broberg, why so Loberg? Um, you know how I talk about Meteor, how defensemen just take late rises just because they're defensemen. Man, he was higher at the beginning of the year. Then he cooled off and then came back up. Remember after the... Oh, he was pretty high. When he had that Holinka tournament that will go down in history, he was he was a top five pick at points throughout the year. I think it's more to do with the offensive talent ahead of him. Honestly. I could be wrong. What's your 10 to 15? 10 to, uh, 11 to 15? 11. Well, I'm with you at 11 at Peyton Krebs. Mm-hmm. Number 12, Kirby Dock. See, I don't have them like in the 20s like everybody seems to think I do. No. Uh, 13, Alex Newhook. 14, Thomas Harley. And 15, Arthur Kaliev. Yeah. 
I don't remember who I said for my top ten, to be honest. That's all right. We'll, um, we'll see. Maybe this will be Evan's version of when me, you, and Max pick Bowen Byram four times. That could be it. Yeah. So Bowen Byram at eleven. Um, <laughs> that low and or high. Yes. It's he's a real wild card. If he's not going at four, it's going to be eleven. Everybody just gets Bowen Byram for their home games. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to split the season up. He is going to be exhausted. Um, I don't remember who I said um, because I don't have it written down. <laughs> But I'm going to say Alex Newhook's going to be in my – I'll just go 11. Uh, Cam York at 12. Did I say Matthew Boldy? You did. You did, did I? Uh, did I say Kirby Doc yet? Yes, you did. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> At least someone remembers. Um, We're here for you, buddy. We got you. Uh, Thomas Harley – uh, did I say Victor Soderstrom yet? You did not. No. There you go. Oh, that's a bit... Uh, that's a lot for Soderstrom, I think. That's the highest no, I've seen him. That's why I've seen him a lot in, in that range. Uh, 16 and 20, I have uh, York, Suzuki, Tomasino, who I, I think completely excluded from my list before, which was a big uh, gap for me. Uh, Puistola, and then Harley. Now we're really starting to deviate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because did I have... I had two of the five that you did here in this range. So I'm with you, uh, even though in flipped order, I've got Ryan Suzuki, 16, and Cam York, 17. Mm-hmm. 18, I've got Bobby Brink. Okay. 19, I've got the first G on the board, Spencer Knight. And then number 20, I'm still a big fan of Nils Hoaglander. You know what? Our picks aren't more than a few off of each other. No, any. we're in the same range on a lot of stuff, which I don't know if that's just because of our echo chamber, because I've noticed once I get past 15, my rankings really start to deviate from most of the other ones I see, Yeah, which makes me either really confident and or an idiot. Um, Soderstrom, Lavoie, Cider, Hainola, and Hoglander are my 21 to 25. I well, think Cider is rising too much, and I think maybe I have him too high. So 21 is where I... Where my my golden boy has risen, uh-huh. Braden Tracy. Uh, twenty two. I have Victor Soderstrom. Not as high on him as Evan, apparently. Uh, twenty three. I still have more cider in there. Twenty four. I have Raphael Lavois. And twenty five. I have moved up Philip Tomasino as well. The uh, oh yeah, Honka is where I start out with twenty six. Spencer Knight is twenty seven. I think I have him too low because of an inherent bias against drafting goalies in the first round. You monster. Yeah, Dorofiev, uh, and then Robertson, and then I have Tracy at thirty one to round out my first round. Sure, who were the ones before that? The five before that? Honka, Knight, Harley, Dorofiev, Robertson, and then Tracy. You have Harley on there twice. No way. Do I? Oh sh- shoot, I do. That doesn't make sense. Whose Honk. name did you spell wrong? No, I had I forgot to I moved Harley up and I forgot to take him out. So I have Honka Knight, Dorofia of Robertson, Tracy, and then Kokkinen at thirty one. Who's the last one? Kotkinen? Oh, Kokkinen. Kokkinen. Miko Kokkinen. Gotcha. Yeah. I was a little confused there. Kotkinemi. I'm drafting. Kot. Yes, Barry. Kotkinemi Byram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Afanasiev is uh, Afanasiev. Afanas. Afanasiu. I have ranked at 32, and he's committed to the Windsor Spitfires. Oh, fantastic. Next year. I don't have him in my top 42. Hmm. Uh, so my 26 through 31, I have Nick Robertson, Billy Heinle, Ilya Nikolaev, Patrick Buistela, Alex Vlasic, and Connor McMichael. So I don't think we had any overlap there at all. Evan, you have no obligation Oh no. to do any uh, rankings this far. That would just be throwing names to the wind at this point. Spencer Knight, would you, have, would you take him... Um, top 20 or after that as the uh, projected first round goaltender 
I think he goes in the first round. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a pretty safe. I think it's a pretty safe bet because there's a lot of teams with two picks, so they could gamble on that second one if they want. Uh, LA intrigues me if he gets that far. I feel like he's not. He's kind of is, but is not one of the best player available type draft scenarios. I think if you look at your goalie pipeline, whoever the team is picking in the let's say twenties. If they think they only have their starter for another five or so years, there's no harm rolling the dice on him if you don't like anybody else in the later first round. Or if your system's really stacked at every other position yeah. and you really have nothing to lose, i.e. Ottawa, would make a lot of sense for Spencer Knight right now. Is your is that a double collar? Or is that no, that's my shirt underneath. Oh. Yeah. Oh no! I was even talking about this outer layer. I thought you were doing oh, the no. grade oh, God, nine no. two popped collar thing. Oh no! But you see that a lot at private clubs. Oh, oh yeah, the popped collar is 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 still in. I very much so. That. Oh yeah. I'm so the happy. old rich white people have very bad style. <laughs> very bad style. I'm very happy we're on YouTube right now, or else a lot of people would be so confused. We truly are the ADD of podcasts. Uh, they could be on YouTube, but colorblind. Oh, uh, yeah, blue-green. <laughs> They're screwed. Um, Evan is currently dressed in golf clothes, and when uh, he got here at, like, 9 p.m., Brad was like, did you just get here, or did you golf today? And Evan's like, yeah, like, way earlier. Why? And I'm like, Evan, you're still wearing your golf clothes. You didn't change. <laughs> to be fair, I was only at the range for an hour, so I didn't really even sweat or anything. This is what I'm wearing today. This is it. I would go to the range in this. I do not get a full, put, up on, put on a full get-up just to go to the driving range. Oh, I mean, I got shorts on. Oh, you animal. And a hat. <laughs> <laughs> a titleist <laughs> hat. <laughs> yeah, geez. Yeah, no, I'm oh, not boy. that dressed up. Um, so our midweek episode, we'll do our final mock, which I think is the more fun one because we can do uh, – it's a little bit more predictive and we can see exactly how wrong we are. And like uh, we were talking about – or or maybe this was off air. We want to do that as close to the draft as we can um, to make sure that we get all those last little tidbits and nuggets of information uh, that we can those Kotkaniemi rumors, those Brady Kachuk rumors, those Barrett Hayton rumors that never popped up. It was just actually kind of a big surprise. There were rumors that he was going top 10 Yeah, when it, when it got down to it because I had him in my 20s on my rankings, so that caught me way off guard. Fun fact, when we were talking to Max and I pulled up my 2018 rankings, I had four Red Wings in my top 31. I had... Bergeron, Valeno, I had, Isaac. Yeah, I had Zdino at, Zdina at three... I had Valeno at 11, I had Bergeron at 27, and McIsaac at 31. Oh, you had McIsaac much higher than I did, I think, Yeah. at that point. Well, that's, uh, that's going to be a good draft. That makes me feel great. Um, there's been some movement. I want to talk about the rest of the league right now. Uh, I always talk about these uh, contracts that no one ever wants to take, and somehow Chicago or Pittsburgh managed to get rid of Olimata and got things back. Uh, did you see that trade? Yeah. So, I actually am going to kind of go against your tone here. I think Chicago did wonderful there. Dominic Cahoon, an old, he was an older rookie last year. I think he was 23 or 24. Had a respectable season. I think he was close to half a point per game. Oli Mata is still a good defenseman. And if you talk to most people in the analytics community, they tend to back him up. Uh, his contract's reasonable because it's a little a hair over $4 million And there's not a ton of term left on it. I think three or four years. Three. Sh- three. Chicago's not overly deep at defenseman right now and again Cahoon's a fine player but I wouldn't say he's an impact player so you put a guy like Olimata in a bigger role in Chicago change of scenery too yeah I don't I don't hate it I really don't hate it 
you, when you put it that way, and I, I guess Chicago, does this really allude to Chicago not taking a defenseman? Does this kind of point to them not taking Byram? They went out and acquired Mata. I don't think they were either way. This probably helps. I don't know. I just think with his skating and some of his other defensive lapses, I'm not really too high on the guy. Um, I don't, I haven't looked too much into it. I don't know too much about the season he had last year. So you're probably right. Uh, I'm just impressed that they got two pieces back for him. Not impact pieces, a fifth and a a, a fifth round. Yeah. Nothing in this trade is a needle mover. Welcome uh, to the offseason. The Flyers trade was also an interesting one where they traded Ratko Gudas to the Caps and retained salary, uh, 30% of the salary in exchange for Matt Niskanen and his $5.75 million contract. So translation, Washington traded Matt Niskanen for Ratko Gudas and some cap freedom, which they used today to extend Carl Heglin to almost the exact amount that they freed up. Interesting, eh? As a Flyers fan, do you really, really, really want to get Truba now? Because otherwise, I don't really understand. I don't know. Um, th- that was an, that was another kind of weird one for me. Well, Gudis is a better defenseman than he gets credit for because his reputation is of a meathead who gets suspended a lot, both of which are true, but in between the suspensions, he actually is a, a serviceable bottom pair defenseman and not just a Jonathan Erickson type. Uh, Niskanen is the better defenseman. Uh, not by a ton, but he's getting paid more. So, hence why Washington wanted to dump cap. Does this inspire confidence that the Red Wings can move a DeKaiser? No, because Niskanen's only got two years left. Oh, how many does DeKaiser have? Like a million? Oh, Just like eight or something. It's more. It does DeKaiser have three? It's probably only three at this point. I would think three. Three including this year? Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, hold on, Danny DeKaiser. Oh yeah, three including nineteen twenty. Ah, that's like uh, that's not too bad at so, five mil. So it is what it is. You see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And also, you're... Danny DeKaiser is not Matt Niskanen. No, no, he's certainly not. Um, there are not, there isn't too much else. The buyout window opened. You know, McDonald got bought out. The Eisman alluded to the fact that he wasn't going to uh, buy out any Red Wings. So that's. Nor should he have. There was no good candidates for Detroit at this point. No, I, I'm against, I was against buying out. You know the Ericsons and the Dailies when he made it this far. They, they, we have no need for cap space this year, so they're better served. If you really, really want them off the team, just send them to Grand Rapids. If they get claimed on waivers, great. If they don't, yeah, you're eating their most of their cap hit while they're in Grand Rapids. But who cares? Because it's only one year then versus two. Uh, Helm, Nielsen, Abdelkader all have way too much term to consider at this point. Next summer we could revisit that, but for right now, yeah, no, not worth it. So it was right of him to stand pat, although I am amazed that LA bought out Dion Phaneuf. That seems dumb to me. They're going to be paying like, what, five mil next year, four and a half? Yeah, not that I'm a huge Dion Phaneuf fan, but... He's very serviceable. And it's not like LA's in a position where they need to be saving cap space or winning right now. They are entering a rebuild unless they think they're not. And if they think they're not, oh boy, they have far bigger problems than just Dion Phaneuf. Yeah, the whole management needs to go. LA is a funny situation. Like, there's apparently internal strife on whether or not they should rebuild, which inspires me because I'm like, maybe they do make that kind of off-the-board pick with number five. Um, yeah, that they don't know what they're doing, so anything's in And number five, Matthew Boldy. All right. Or they t- yeah, they take like a Caulfield or they take like a Kirby Docker Cousins, which wouldn't be a bad pick. No, 
but they they're looking for something a little bit more immediate because they're feeling a little bit of uh, heat heat in the seats, you know. This is yeah, L.A. Man, I that, that one caught me off guard because Fnuf only had what two years left. I honestly can't remember. So like, you're gonna eat some of his cap hit for four years. Yeah, that's dumb. That makes no sense. Again, if you truly don't want him on your team, that is another player in a position where it's better to just wave him, send him to the minors. And if he gets claimed, you trade him to whatever. And if he doesn't get claimed, you can trade him to whatever team for 50% retained salary. But then guess what? It's only two years or one year, whatever he's got left versus doubling that. It's This is why bad teams stay bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I think a lot of our listeners are very familiar with those kind of limitations and anchors that hold you back from making the right decisions. Yeah, but at least Detroit's not prolonging the problems. Anymore. 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 So, a lot Steven, of what... Stephen Weiss is still in the cap for two more years. A lot of what's been uh, given, and I say a lot facetiously because very little has been given by Steve Eisenman, um, has really, really, really driven home that that whole you guys have to be patient thing wasn't just like a spur of the moment, like emotional, like this is going to take a little time, like a year. He's really buckling down. The fact that he's not buying anyone out, the fact that he's welcoming Cronwell back if he wants to come back, he knows this year and next year and probably beyond that, you're not looking at a competitive window. It is going to take time. This is not the same situation he walked in with Tampa. Detroit will not be a cup contending team in 2020. They will not be a cup contending team in 2021. He knows that. There will be pain. There will be pain. Need to get players. And he's, I think, I think part of this whole limited communication is to make sure that people aren't making mountains out of molehills. He doesn't want people going off and, and getting too far ahead of themselves, especially, I mean, if you're going to listen to a Red Wings podcast twice a week, it's very easy to get ahead of yourself and think the best of players and say, if this player is a great season, this player is a great season, and we draft Byram and Valeno ends up being a 2C, he, he's really, really making sure that people know the core is a core, but a small one and a, a, not exactly a, a like a strong one by all rights. There's some strong pieces, but there needs to be more there. The depth isn't there. The There's really big gaps in the current lineup, let alone the pipeline, and it's going to take some time. So it's not, like I said, I think he a lot of the fan base is re-energized by his hiring, um, but this is the this is the pain, these parts right here where we're expecting something. And movement is slow. It's going to be like molasses for a little while. Not to say there will never be moves. And not to say he'll never make a trade or take the opportunity. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be kind of stuff like this. He knows that Detroit's not in a position to mortgage futures that they don't have to accelerate something that's still way too far off. It's like putting a turbo on your old, you know, neon, Dodge Neon. I feel attacked. <laughs> Have you ever put a turbo that you bought off eBay in a car, Brad? No, but I have had a Dodge Neon. You would have had a Dodge oh, Neon. God. <laughs> you are the Dodge Neon of my friends. And I say that with zero affection because no affection could ever be given to a Dodge Neon. <laughs> if you drive or have driven a Dodge Neon, I apologize. Although, I kind of not. I've driven a Pontiac Sunfire before. Dude, My I've owned two separate Chevy Cavaliers and those cars combined made it like eight years. They served me well. My first car was a Chevy Cavalier. Four years per car? And they I think, I think well. one made it like six. The other one only made it two. <laughs> yeah, the diminishing returns really, really popped up at that yeah. point. Uh, yeah, the second one I got was just a stopgap and 
I didn't need it to go very long. Yeah. And it didn't. Has there been anything else big in the world of hockey, I guess? Uh, Brett Hull is setting new records for drunk. Oh, my God. We went St. Louis. What does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think he might surpass Ovechkin. Oh, no. There's no might there. He is way ahead. Like, remember that tweet I sent out? How drunk is... Brett Hall going to be on a scale of Patrick Kane to Alex Ovechkin. He has broken the scale. He has definitely broken the scale at this point. Like It's gone from a 2D scale to a 3D scale. He's the new axis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because when Ovechkin and the Capitals were going hammered, they were coherent, at least, during their partying. Brett Hall's literally chanting, We went St. Louis. <laughs> Which, if this wasn't a draft-themed episode, would be the perfect episode title. So I'm a little rattled, actually. Thanks for nothing, Brett. Wasn't he rubbing his nipples, too, or something? Yes! There's a picture of it, and it's become a painting. And I think he had it on a t-shirt. No, he was wearing a t-shirt of himself flipping someone off. Yeah, I, it was rumored to be Brad Marchand. Oh, my Did God. you see uh, the picture of Joel Edmondson wearing the Conn Smythe trophy as a helmet? That was I saw the picture. I didn't know that was Edmondson. I haven't been that drunk in a long time. You haven't won the cons, or you haven't had a friend who won the won the Con Smythe Trophy. I just saw no. that. I just saw a close up of that picture and just thought this is a spinoff of Silent Hill that I didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that Washington has now set the standard for teams to absolutely go buck wild when they win the cup. I hope this never dies. And St. Louis is giving her a run. Oh, absolutely. They're currently in Vegas. They just flew to Vegas, I believe, today. Then they, well, then when they were coming back, they delayed it because of this or something. They, they basically set aside extra time. Oh yeah, they, they went to Vegas on the fifteenth for the NHL awards. The NHL awards are on the nineteenth. <laughs> so they, I guess they just wanted to get to the airport early. You know, one of those things. Yeah, get, get a few good nights get a, of sleep. You know, got the jet lag settle. Yeah, yeah. Find a good Smart. restaurant or two around. Maybe do a tour of uh, the Grand Canyon and the Hoover Dam. Yeah, figure out how long it takes to get to uh, uh, wherever they have the awards in rush hour traffic in Vegas. Oh, they'll be doing a tour. Yeah, they'll be doing some kind of tour. <laughs> Is it warm there right now in the summer? Does yes. anyone know? Yes. Well, it's probably... <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's, it's pretty just, warm. It's cold enough that it's snowing. I was there this time last year, and I believe it was cold when I left here, and when I got there, it was just like, it hit me like a brick. It was nice, but I was... Snowing and bricks. Yeah, this is about right for St. Louis' trip right now. <laughs> yeah, it'll be snowing in Vegas. Oh, and with that, we are going to head over to um, Overtime, uh, where we have a ton of questions from our patrons. Their comments get read out on air, guaranteed is our way of saying thanks. Do you have the do you have the open PVR? Uh I can tell you who won. I just got the notification. Oh yeah. It wasn't Brooks Kepka, was it? No. no. Gary Woodland won with like a thirty five foot putt. He had three putts to win and he just sunk the one the first, the first one. one. That a boy. Yeah. Hopefully As expected, Gary Woodland has won the US Open this year. As everyone predicted. Yes. Yeah. Sean Stephen Cook says, hey, boys, I have to say that there's nothing better than seeing a character like Layla alongside the Blues at all the celebrations. Every other team seems to have an extra little token, uh, a team dig, a crazy veteran, or a feel-good story like Layla. What should the Wings add to the experience of watching them that's along these lines? Best case, we have we just uh, get a nice car that's driven on the ice for me. And worst case is we have uh, Todd Br- or Tyler Bertuzzi retire early and drunkenly rowdy up the fans. So we just need someone adorable to follow the team around? I nominate Mika or Evan. Evan would be too much for the, the fans. I think he would. I'm too old much. and 
Harry. <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd mix you up for one of the right. players. Congratulations, Miki. You're now officially the Red Wings mascot. Uh, Justin Klinsky says, Sup, duds? Who's this Eisenman guy, and why hasn't he made Helm our captain? Anyways, you guys forgot the reason why the Blues won the first cup. Uh, Rowan said the Blues should score two goals before the first period ended, and they did. I said they should go for the cycle, and they did. On behalf of Rowan and I, we would like our names on the cup. Rowan seconded that motion. I believe Robert's rules of order dictate that it is now done and finalized, so we will power we will pass that along to the powers that be uh joe caboose falzone says who's a forward on another team around the same age that would have amazing chemistry with larkin if he's unattainable over the next few years who's the discount version of this well that's an interesting question now are we going to limit ourselves to players who might actually be available because there's like larkin's the type of player he could have chemistry with just about anybody in the league what about nikolai ehlers he's that's exactly who i was thinking yeah Similar output. Same draft actually picked six or seven spots ahead of Larkin. Yeah. Uh, that And Winnipeg might actually be shopping him. I don't think I'd pay the return that they're going to ask for him, but that would, they would make a lot of sense together. No, a, a 23-year-old who's already had a 60-point season, I have no ambition of paying for that, especially at this point in the rebuild. But yeah, if we're talking dream scenarios here, I think Larkin would have a lot of good chemistry with a guy like Ehlers. Uh, second quickie question, sorry. Athanasiu was drafted right before uh, Slavin and... Uh, Hellebuck, who do you take? Uh, Jacob Slavin. Slavin. A hundred times over. And I love Athens to you, and I really like Hellebuck, too. Man, that might go down as one of the better fourth rounds in Did you say memory. he was taken before or after them? He was uh, before Slavin and Hellebuck. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. That's still a hell of a pick, man. They got a 54-point score in those the are th- fourth round. Those are three pretty good picks yeah. in the fourth round. You hit a 54-point guy in the fourth round. You just hit a grand slam. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Delia says, hey, guys, how high do you think Caulfield would go if he was about 5'11 or 5'10? Oh, top five. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, it'd be bass backwards if he's not a top eight pick. Uh, just curious how much a few inches would change people's mind. <laughs> All my exes say the same. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming from somebody. Anyways, thanks, Brad, for jinxing us. Dr. Detroit confirmed. Thank you guys for all your hard work on no, the no, draft. No, 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 no. You put that evil on Max and Ryan. <laughs> Brad, Bradith Jebediah Crisco. When did I found Springfield? <laughs> Uh, Peter, uh, oh, he, he, oh, he told me how to say this last time. Ploshansky. Wrong. What did he say? I don't remember, but I'm just saying, assuming you're wrong. Peter, I'm going to find it and say it right because you explained it to me and I completely, I'm confusing myself now. He's absolutely going to forget the second we're done recording. He says, hey boys, you guys mentioned Shane Gossespierre in the last podcast and the Flyers not being too high on him right now. My question is, if Steve Eisenman, who by the way is the GM of the Detroit Red Wings, was to make an offer, what would that offer consist of? Um, best case scenario, it starts with Athens to you, and then you start slapping on some picks and prospects after that. Uh, I think you, yeah, it would be Athens to you plus there. Um, I don't think anyone better offensively would be the one to go. Yeah, you're not like I don't give get me wrong. I really like Austin Spare, but I don't think you're giving up a Larkin or a Mantha for him, uh, even in a one for one scenario because he is coming off a down year. Um, so Athens to you and then what picks or prospects? I honestly have no idea, but it would probably be of some value. Plus a Uh, Connor Jager says, Hey boys, been thinking about potential trades for the wings and seeing others posted online. Tell me if these are good or realistic. Okay. First one. Yes or no. Quick one. Uh, Athens to you and pick 35 to Colorado for picks four and 16. No, that's not even a little bit realistic. No, I don't even think that's enough to, for pick 16. Truly. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's, that's enough, enough for pick 16. 16, but it's not enough for pick four alone. 
Uh, Christopher N in a fifth to Tampa Bay for Ryan Callahan and pick 27. I think. Uh, yeah, you're in the ballpark now. Okay. I wouldn't do it. Though. Warmer. <laughs> uh, Athanasiu to Edmonton for Jesse uh, Pugliarvi and pick eight. No, oh, that's not realistic no, at all. Pick eight's too valuable. Yeah, Dan- that, there's no way Edmonton would agree to that. Danny DeKaiser and pick 35 to Philly for Shane Goss to spare. Not, no way. No, no chance. And I don't think they would do it. What with uh, Niskanen's cap and, right now. And one of the reasons Goss to spare is expendable is because Philly's very deep at defense. They would absolutely be angling for a forward in return. Uh, Rowan says, Good day, dud duds. I'm sure CBC and NBCSN showed the blockbuster showdown an Olympic gold medal rematch of US and A versus Canada, sensibly played in Sydney, Australia, just after the Stanley Cup final. What is sport is this? Hockey. Uh, I can't give you my full report as it will be on the athletic later in the week. <laughs> However, James and I uh, ended up crushing Tinnies with uh, all around good guy and new best friend Mitch Callahan. He has some great stories. Um, also, Australian Stanley Cup champion Nathan Walker got to meet me. Nice to be able to give back, you know. <laughs> so the trades have started again, and it begs the question top three Red Wings players in terms of likelihood of being traded this offseason? Don't say it, Brad. Don't even think about it. Okay, most likely to least likely? Top three, no, no, top top three players to be traded if they're going to be traded this offseason. So top three in terms of quality of player or most likely to be traded? Most likely to be traded. Uh, okay. If um, you had to pick three. This offseason. Uh, daily in a cap dump or a roster dump. Probably the most likely. Uh, I'll go Luke Glendening. His team still seem to be angling for him for some reason. And then... Not a lot of good candidates right now, honestly. I don't foresee a ton happening. Because even though we tossed around Athens to in a lot of hypotheticals, I don't think it's likely at all. I don't think it's likely, but in a world where we have to pick, I think he's there. I think Daly's there, and I think Glenn Denning's there. I'm going to go Daly, Glenn Denning. Like, because I don't see Eisman trading a premium piece. Like, who else would he be able to dump to free up a roster spot or, or some cap space right now? That's would that's anyone rough. want Della Rose? Would no. anyone? No, no. Della Rose is not. He yeah. went to run waivers. Yeah, uh, Erickson maybe. <laughs> just as like, uh, here's a conditional seventh. You can just have him. I yeah. Well, with retained salary, of course, because Erickson. Just, yeah, because with Erickson, some teams might value him at two mil. I wouldn't, but some teams might. Um, Again, I don't think any of those scenarios is likely. Jersey time. Back to a Red Wings matchup. 2009 Winter Classic versus 2016 Centennial Classic jersey. Ooh. The 2009 Winter Classic, like the old-fashioned D? Yeah, that one. That one wins. Man, I really did not like the 2016 Centennial Classics at first, but they grew on me the more I seen them. Yeah, Uh, I didn't even like the stadium series. I think it was because of the white gloves. Oh, now man. I really like those jerseys. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the compromise. I'm gonna say that's a draw. Um, I I came around on the Centennial Classic jerseys as well, but I think the two Winter Classic jerseys that Detroit has are unbeatable. Yep. Uh, Garrett TV says hi Max, Max, and Max. Uh, how does it feel to occasionally interview three random KW area Red Wings fans for your twice weekly podcast? Keep up the great work, but in all seriousness, it's actually awesome that you guys have a recurring guest like Max who has great visibility into the org in the most sincere way possible. It's a great thing for the show. Keep it up. That's honestly great to know. We love Max and this whole um, like having him on is a blast, just like as friends. So yeah, it was funny. How long did how much content did we actually get with him for the podcast today? 
30 minutes or so. Yeah, at least. And we were on the phone with him for an hour 10. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're glad you guys are loving it as much as we are. And we've only, in chatting with Max, we only plan to ramp it up and have some more fun with it. Um, it, it is going to be a while till his next appearance, which is Sunday. S- Sunday. So, <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, we don't uh, lose each other's numbers by then. Um, my question comment this week is about St. Louis and the fear of them representing a slow, big-bodied game that the NHL doesn't want, per se. At over 5.7 goals per game, this Stanley Cup Finals was the third highest scoring since the lockout and featured far more goals than the other three series that went seven games. The only higher uh, ones were last year in a short series featuring a Vegas meltdown and in 2010 when Philly and Chicago played beer league defense in one of the most horrible Stanley Cup finals in recent memory. Man, I was entertained to all hell by that series. The fact that this year's Stanley Cup final had one of the highest rated viewership games of all time, I think the NHL is doing something right. I don't agree that St. Louis won as a slow, methodical, big body team, but instead as a more balanced and deep team deploying skill and size effectively. Aside from a terrible power play, they're very similar to last year's Caps team. And Boston didn't lose as a skilled team, but more as a team that sh- uh, showed the preseason conter- concerns that fo- folks had warned of, that they lacked depth across the board and would have to ride their top line in goaltending, which is exactly what they did. I felt it was two entertaining teams playing some pretty good hockey, and that's always good for the league. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. We were obviously ramping up the specifics last last episode. Uh, last episode. Last episode. But yeah, St. Louis is still a skilled team. You don't have Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly and Alex Petrangelo and not be a skilled team. But they they were a team that utilized their big, heavy defense very frequently and a heavy cycle, which isn't a bad thing and it's not entertaining. But like I mentioned last time, there's just more entertaining styles of hockey being played by their teams out there, but they're not winning. So... <laughs> Uh, also, Brad, I 100% support the sleepy line with Zegras, Zadina, and Bertuzzi. Let's go Red Wings. Yes. Stan Olson says, hey, guys, hope all is well. Who are some guys you could see going really high that you didn't see coming? Like a Barrett Hayton reach. I could see Ooh, a team uh, reaching on Thomas Harley. Zegras has been the apple of my eye since Christmas. I really hope we land him. I'd be really happy with anyone who could be an elite player. This team has a ton of mid-level NHL prospects. Um, okay, so big jumper is based on my list. Uh, I absolutely could see a team reaching for Broberg. I could absolutely see a team reaching for Harley and Kaliev, and I would not be surprised. Less likely, but I would not be surprised to see New Hook and York make big jumps. If we have to talk guys who we haven't talked about going in the top five, like we're talking Barrett Hayton level, I think the two guys who are liable to do that, like this is crazy scenario. I would never predict it. I would never put money on it. Boldy and Broberg. I was going to say Broberg, because if, if Colorado does hypothetically go with Byram, I could see LA reaching for Broberg. Um, and if we're talking a little bit beyond that, I think um, I think you could see a guy like Moritz Sider possibly go 10 to 15, depending on how hot people are for a defenseman. Pretty much defenseman. And Boldy is really, really, really moving up people's lists. Bring Tracy top 15. Let's go. I don't think that'd be crazy. I don't think it would be crazy, but based on all the rankings, that would be nuts. Uh, side note, are you guys hyped for Toy Story 4? It got a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for every Toy Story film. I just saw The Secret Life of Pets 2 with mm-hmm. my daughter. I saw number one. Was it number two good? There. So I'll show you guys a video after. Don't the, spoil it. There's one line that <laughs> makes it. The if it was good or not. That's it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. What was this one line? I, don't, I actually don't care. So one of the animals, two of the animals in sync just started going, we start fires. Hey, that's and, us. 
That's and, a Brad line. Yeah. That's a Brad and line. And Meek has been running around saying it for a week. I love that kid, man. Uh, lastly, Brad, are you going to be seeing Blink-182 play uh, Enema of the State start to finish with Lil Wayne? Thanks for all the hard work, guys. Wait, with Lil Wayne? What? God, uh, I'm old. What? <laughs> um, also, did we see the haul that New Orleans got for uh, Anthony Davis? That was a lot. It's what was to be expected if they were going to trade him. I still don't blame L.A. I don't understand why they're not waiting 30 days because then they get, I think, $23 million more in cap space. But that's just me. My favorite. You know who the biggest loser of this trade is? Who? LeVar Ball. And that makes me so happy. Yeah. That that's a win me. for basketball. That's, really a, that's a win for society, Evan. Yeah. Uh, Adam Flett says, morning all, seven sleeps till draft time. Assume you're all now aboard the Zegras or Doc trains. I'm certainly, uh, I'm certain now that they're the best options for us as they have the best creativity and potential to unlock Zadina and Bergeron. Question time, the biggest fail you've seen taken in the first two rounds that you thought was a lock for glory for the Wings? Second question. Oh, this is directly Detroit related? Yeah. Second question. Do we draft another Bertuzzi for shits and giggles? Um, I thought uh, Jakob Kindle was going to be way more than he was. You know what? That's the obvious answer there because he was taken really high. Um, The guy who I I was... God, it seems like such a damn easy answer, but man, was I high on Yurko. Yeah, yeah, he was, a, he was a second round pick, but like th- 35. <laughs> dun, dun. Um, yeah, the videos coming out of him out of the draft were mind boggling how good he looked. Yeah. Hey, hey, remember pace of play concerns? Hmm. Anyways, uh, I don't think it was just pace of play. No, it wasn't just pace of play, but that was the biggest concern with your. wonder girl. if he knows Justin Rose and uh, Sergio Garcia. <laughs> you could paint your face. Your house before they take a, a shot. Sometimes it's brutal. I, I saw who was it? Uh, Duffner took over a minute for a seventeen-inch putt. Oh, the putting is the worst. Bryson DeChambeau takes hours. Well, don't they have a rule now where the pitcher has to pitch <clears throat> within a certain amount of time? Isn't that in the minors? They have a shot clock or something, a pitch clock now for baseball. Did, Did you, you get see- around that if the pitcher just threw the ball at the pitch clock and broke it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys see Kenley Jensen's intentional buck? That was amazing. Just I loved it. Double tap and go. then points to him. Yeah. Go. Uh, it makes sense. It was bottom of the ninth and they were down by two and they were up by two. That runner was inconsequential. Uh, Warm Court Music says, just read Helene St. James's article about how she doesn't believe Zadina will challenge for a roster spot in 2019 because he didn't dominate the A. Um, doesn't really agree with it. This is insanity. There's no way he shouldn't be challenging for a roster spot. Please tell me you guys feel the same way. If not, what the hell kind of rebuild is this? Yeah, you yeah, know what? Was, I like Helene a lot. That was a bad take. He's he's in a spot right now where you have to assume he has a spot until proven otherwise. Yeah, I disagree with that pretty strongly. I think he had a developing year in the AHL, and we've talked about this before. People keep expecting development to look like dominance and that's not always the case especially for a guy who we already know is highly skilled but has to adjust to the physicality and the pace and the spacing of the pro game and that's not going to be a pretty development process and if you put him with better players he's the type of guy who's exponentially going to get better i you go if he has a bad camp he has a bad camp and you send him down but he has to have that bad camp first because Detroit's not exactly deep for offense right now. Yes, they have they're deep at forward, but in terms of actual offense, you know, there's not a lot of options here. So you have to assume that he's going to be there. Uh, in my mind, I think even if he has a bad camp, you shove him into an NHL roster. He, he gets his minimum yeah. games for sure. I, I think there's I no way go he, that far. 
I don't think you there's any way to justify playing him fewer than 30 games this year. No, you call him up at some point, but you start him in Grand Rapids if he if he has a really rough preseason. Uh, Kwaz says, "Hope, uh, how's it going, bros? My new place is probably on an acre and a half. It's also on a lake. Well, technically a reservoir, but whatever. Thing is, that's a lot of leaves to rake up, and there's a few years worth of leaves. My goodness, it's a task. What's the worst outdoor task you've had to do? Well, uh, I read some. I was just reading something this week. You shouldn't rake leaves or lawn clippings. It's actually good soil for your lawn. No, no, he's talking about there's like three years of build up here because he just got a property. Oh my god, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. This is like forest fire level of leaves. Like you can't see the grass level of leaves. Oh, that's bad. Um, so What's sorry. The what was the question? Outdoor task. Worst outdoor. Okay, we might be biased as hell as Canadians, but shoveling can oh. go right to hell. Shoveling for the twelfth time in three days—that's the, the that's wet when... snow has to be the worst experience of shoveling. Yeah. So yeah, the light he... fluffy stuff. It's okay. You can just you know oh, yeah. rapid fire, but that wet stuff you're bending from the knees it... like it's oh, yeah. brutal. If we get a decent dusting in the evening, it's great because again, like you said, I can go out there. There's no buildup on my driveway. It's a smooth glide and it's light. <clears throat> It's that crap where it snows in the morning and then it warms up in the middle of the day and we get a dumping of rain or freezing rain and it just turns everything on your driveway into an icy, slushy pile of hell. And if a car, if like your wife gets home before and drives over it, this now is oddly you, specific, <laughs> no, because it happens a lot. Because if she gets home and pulls into the driveway, now all that crap is compact, and you have these nice little ice mountains that you can't chip off the goddamn driveway. Shoveling. Does can- Crystal have a uh, a complaints box, <laughs> a comment box? I she most definitely has to. Right, it's the only way she can handle this. What's the worst one in the summer? In the summer? I think once I become older, pulling weeds will probably suck. I just can't care about I weeds just, anymore. I just, no, I don't care either. And Crystal talked everybody me into digging just... up the entire front lawn to get rid of them. Yeah, what happened with that? So our lawn basically turned into nothing but weeds because I could give a shit because lawns are the biggest scam on the face of this planet. You and Mel would get along. She also believes that. Lawns are the dumbest thing people spend time and money on. I will fight anybody who disagrees, but whatever. It didn't cost a lot, and it took me a morning. It wasn't a huge task, but that front lawn, everything to do with lawns can F all the way off. Uh, There's a person in my neighborhood who cuts their edging of their lawn with scissors. Yeah. That person is a crazy person. I knew that person was a sociopath the moment I saw that. Helped a buddy plant trees. Getting them in the ground wasn't hard, but leveling them, and you only have one shot with that. What about a fence? Do fence suck? Have you ever put one up? Putting the post in? Getting the the post holes? (laughs) And yeah. then putting the cement in there? Yeah, I've done that. That sucks. No, no, but fences are like a... you. It's not just one person. You usually have a lot of men on that job, right? Or, sorry, people on that job. And, uh, like, I remember when I put on my fence where there was, like, 18 guys doing it because it was, like, neighbors from all around. And Last so- fence I put up was me and my dad. Oh, okay. Two guys on that job. It was awful. Uh, yeah, so that then that would suck. Yep. Yeah, no. Every, like... A garden would be fun and interesting and creative. Until you get weeds in your garden and and animals. Crystal's building a garden in the front yard, and I only agreed to that on the condition that I'm not having anything to do with it, but I get the appeal. Uh, But yeah, no, lawns, it's... They're unnatural. They're expensive. They're a pain in the ass. Let the damn dandelions grow. They look cooler. Twitter question uh, from Tony Ferrari uh, says, if Byram and Turcotte are there at six, they won't be, and Detroit takes Doc, will you kill Evan in anger? (laughs) <laughs> somebody's getting caught in the crossfire. <laughs> yeah. They'll be swinging. <laughs> I would not be able to take my own advice there. I think my my subjectivity would take over, and I would definitely punch I would just turn the, the fucking draft off. <laughs> like, I'm done. Like, I'll see you guys in September. I'm done. Yeah. I don't know anything. What are we doing out I'm here? I'm just going to golf. Not going to pay it. And I'm just... <laughs> 
I'm uninstalling the score. Can, I'm uninstalling everything. That would be like if in the 2017 draft had Pedersen made it to nine and the Red Wings took Rasmussen still, I'd have shot someone. Yeah. And that person most likely to have been shot would have been me. Oh, boy. Uh, some t- Time for some Reddit questions. Uh, Obese Jackal asked about Ehlers. What would you, would you trade for him? I mean... If you ever have the opportunity, you try, but it would cost too much for the Red Wings right now. Um, it would start at Athens CU plus some big pieces. Well, problem is Winnipeg's in a cap bind, so you're probably not giving up anybody who's due a raise. So I don't think Athens CU would be a strong candidate for them. You're looking at good prospects, and I I don't see how they wouldn't ask for Valeno, in which case it turns into a hard no for me. We have it on pretty solid grounds that Winnipeg scouts are really high up. Hot were and still are really high on Valeno, so yeah, I think that would be a primary piece, and that would be a definite no for me, dog. The Atlas Odyssey says we can just let Darius Slay choose for us in the draft. He had a pick six last year, so he has the experience. I like that one. That one's clever. Um, Deathman six four five two says, "Hey boys, I was out on a training mission for the army and had no service to watch or listen to anything hockey related. Couldn't watch a second of the Cup Finals. Can you give me a TLDR for the month of June for hockey? Thank you. A uh, lot of days off." The series was completely wacky and made no sense. Jordan Bennington was either a god or Andre Rasico. Um, Char- Chara Tough, Brett Hall drunk. Yeah. Marshawn cried. Just Google <laughs> Marshawn crying and just Google everything Brett Hall did over the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, OSBP. Our good friend says, I was in the shower listening to the Thursday show when my wife comes in the shower. Not sexy time at all, just the logistics of having one bathroom and needing to get to work. Her initial reaction was, ugh, not the Canadians, to which I, <laughs> to which I defended you guys. Thank you. And I understand <laughs> why you might not Canadian. like us, but give us a, give at least two of us a fighting chance here. Uh, then you guys introduce yourself and Brad says, I'm Brad. She no joke immediately rebuttals, Brad sucks. <laughs> and that's why I married my wife. I like her. The only person who says that more than your wife is my wife. <laughs> and then it's me. <laughs> Mika might be before me. Uh, Mika would definitely come. Although, Mika's actually one of the few people on this planet who actually likes me, okay? I really, I, she must, I always talk about how smart she is, but she's really missing that analysis <laughs> on you, right? She's not good at judging character yet. Oh, man. No, uh, but she makes fun of Ryan on the regular. Oh, oh this man. is, yeah. This is My, strange, though. Still, that was the funniest conversation I've ever had with a human being. <clears throat> that was a joke. Like, I just got told off by a three-year-old. Funnier when you were trying to teach her a phrase and she just told you that she essentially crop-dusted you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I farted. No, I farted, Ryan, in my face. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Giglu or Jiglu says episode idea can you guys dig up some of your previous year draft rankings or mock drafts and go over some picks that you whiffed big on or hit home runs on dude oh. I had brain, I had Barrett Hayton in the 20s that would be a fun one who had a uh, Trush Panda uh, who says who had a more ridiculous bender over your Brett Hall oh Brett Hall's winning that one right now but here's the here's the scary part Brett Hall's that. out to an I, early lead I don't we'll think see he'll how he maintains it he's not yeah, this is it's not sustainable. This level, they, like this shooting percentage, isn't sustainable, and that's what's important. Fun fact: I just found uh, twenty seventeen, where you had I had Michael Rasmussen at nine. You had Pedersen at nine. That was actually pretty consistent around that time. I had Michael Rasmussen. That was the mock draft. My actual rankings. I had Rasmussen at twenty two. Woof. Um, wing nut. 
0055 says, should we be interested in Dougie Hamilton? I think every team who cares about having good defense should be interested in Dougie Hamilton. He has now been traded twice, I think, for a smaller return than he should. I think he's criminally underrated, and I think anything about him being a cancer in the locker room is incredibly overplayed, overplayed, and I would gladly pay below premium to buy that onto the team. Granted, what he would cost would cost quite a bit, and so I don't think Detroit could be too competitive in trading for him. Um, yeah, I don't buy into the personality crap. Guys are just different. Kawhi Leonard barely like he doesn't like people, and he just won Toronto an NBA championship, right? D- Detroit should not be trading for the now. Uh, the doctor ten says, "Okay, you're Steve Eisman, current GM of the Detroit if, Red Wings." Is Doc spelled D A C H? No. Good. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Someone make that handle to trigger Brad. Uh, <laughs> it's first round draft day. What's your game plan? Stay pat at six. Trade up and grab Byram. Uh, stay pat at six. Okay, here's a hypothetical one for you that uh, I was thinking of. Let's assume two of our theories come to fruition. Turcotte goes to Chicago, which is more likely than not. Colorado takes a forward because it's a bigger need for them. One uh, six and one of your second, and one of the two later seconds with yes. LA just to move up yes. one spot to oh get Oh, God, yes. yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. 100%. Okay. Let's make this more uncomfortable. 35. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. would. Just move up one spot. Yes. There's yeah. no guarantee LA's even taking Byron. Yeah. I yeah. Do. I, I would. Do. Do I think that. I'm thinking I'm with you. Yeah. You know what? If they only had one second round pick, I'd say no based on where they are. Um, but the fact that they have two other ones, uh, and with what Bo and Byron represents, mm-hmm. and who Bo, it's not even that he's the best defenseman in the draft. It's the more you look into him, the more you're like, this guy is as close to getting like the best defenseman you can't this spot, short of getting like Rasmus Dillon, right? I wonder if the fact that they still have Drew Doughty for so long might swing into their decision at all. I think that makes them want to take him because they're going to need someone cheap to play with Drew Doughty. (laughs) Has anything LA has done in the last two years made (laughs) Made any sense? And that's why that's why I'm confident they're going to take you know uh, Caulfield or or Cousins. Uh, Not again, not that they'd be bad picks, but they're going to want something immediate. Okay, uh, if they if they take a Cousins over Bowen Byram, it's a bad pick, man. Yeah, (laughs) there's no way around it. That's a bad pick. Um. Love the content, guys, and I'll be at the Red Wings draft party cheering on any combination of Byram, Zegers, Cousins, or Pod Colson at six. Have faith in the Iser plan, my friends, and that is the most important thing. Have faith in the Iser plan. I have faith in the Iser plan, but Iser man has not been scouting for the Red Wings all year, which makes me wonder how much involvement he'll actually have. Yeah, that is a, actually a, a good question and something we will and, debrief. And let's not forget, like if we go back over Detroit's draft history over the last 10 years, it's not been gleaming. It's been better than average, but they've made mistakes. And with that, we're going to wrap this episode up. We have one more pre-draft episode. Don't forget, we'll be live streaming on Friday for the first round. Uh, we'll be doing that at Evan's place, I believe. Yeah, we might need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Mika is in the stream. Uh, and we will uh, see you then. We want to thank all of our listeners, all of our patrons, uh, our name-level sponsors, the people who are the – they make this podcast happen. Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant, Ryan Lewis, Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. If you're one of uh, the lucky winners of one of our contests and you got some swag or apparel, uh, tweet at us. Show it off. Uh, we want to see you. We'll retweet that. We'd love to see those out in the world. And keep an eye out. The, there are more giveaways coming your way. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.